Thank you. Well, I'm glad to finally be able to do this. Um, I was asked to do this way back in April. I mean, not April, I'm sorry, February. And it was, I was scheduled to do it, I think, March 18th or something like that, somewhere in the middle of March. And I prepared this little devotion. And when I got the word that um, we were going to cancel that particular Wednesday night I was supposed to be speaking, I thought, well, I'm going to scratch that one. And I'll start thinking about what I'm going to do when Randy has me do the next time, or next time he has me up. And, and the more I thought about scratching it, the more I started digging around, I realized that it was something that the Lord had put on me in my own personal life. And it was something that he is also putting on with this, or putting, wanting to, wanting to um, this church to know and to recognize that he has got another place he has taken me but he has another place he's taken us all. And it's been confirmed several times as pastor would preach or Randy would preach and Josh or whoever, every time they would preach, they would say something that confirmed this is something I need to say to this body. And when I was studying it out, there's a particular story that kept grabbing at me and grabbing at me. And I said, I said, man, that's so, you know, basic that these people have heard this stuff their whole life. But God is wanting to say something to us. And he's wanting to take us to a new place. And hope you all will bear with me here as I try to get this out. Um, first off, let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you've done. We thank you for your greatness, God. We thank you for the, the, all the chances and the mercy and everything you've given us, God, to, to be closer to you, God. And we thank you for the freedom to have that privilege to call upon you, God, night or day or whenever you're there for us, God. We, I pray that you'd be with me as I, as I do this devotion. I pray that our hearts would be open and our ears would listen to what you're saying in your word tonight. We thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, in, in, the, in the book, there's two different accounts, actually maybe three, but I know at least of two in Matthew and in Mark uh, of, of this account. And we're going to look in Matthew today. I got that version on my phone I'm going to pull up here. I mean Mark, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 9. And while I'm doing this, I want to talk about prayer just for a second, a little testimony in my life. And I mentioned Sunday morning when I opened up last week, I was thankful for all the prayers, but I want to share something about my daughter again. I can't help but share about the, the, the supernatural things I've seen take place in St. Louis. Uh, the first thing being is on our way up there, as many of y'all know, she had a bicycle accident and they were going to have to do brain surgery. Um, I was being attacked maliciously from Satan on the way up there. Doubt and unbelief was just cringing on me because I seen, and it's hard for me to say this because I seen the spirit of death creeping upon my daughter. And on that way up there, I was trying to keep it together and I said, you know, she's alive. I'm speaking life over her now. I got to be her father. I got to keep my emotions aside and I got to get there and I, I got to believe. And in that moment, I was telling my wife, I, why am I being, I'm being born Farted by negativity, and my father calls, and the first things out of his mouth is Satan's a liar, Ben. And I knew right then, all right, God, God's in tune with what's going on here. He's on my side. I'm not alone. And when we got up there, this anxiety and this fear that I've been fighting off the whole way there. And by the time we got there, we'd got so many messages that people were praying. There was a whole region of people praying for my daughter in this situation. 
And come to find out from the doctor, it was a life and death thing. If they didn't get to it quick, she was not going to live. And as we got there, that same spirit of death they'd seen down here in Popper Bluff, they allowed me to see her before. And this is where I'm going to show you guys. Prayer works. It, it, and it was evident with my own eyes. I can't say I seen angels. I can't say I seen a supernatural being in the room. But when I walked in the room, the anxiety, the fear, and everything, it was gone. There was a glow upon her body. There was a smile on her face, and her thumbs were up. And that spirit of death that had been creeping on her down here was already gone. So I want to tell you guys, and I know in tragic situations like that, but in any situation, when a group of people get together and start praying, and they pray and they mean what they're praying and they believe what they're praying, and I want you all to remember that word believe, that word is going to be used here in this devotion. When you believe what you're really playing, praying, things start to happen. And there's no nothing that's ever going to take that away from me. What I seen there was the presence of the Holy Spirit and the angels encamped around her. You know, as David wrote in the presence of his enemy several times, there he was with him also. And it was there with my daughter. I want to thank you all again for them prayers and, and, and never doubt that when you unite like that and believe what you're praying, it's effective. Um, so in Mark chapter 9, we see a familiar story. And also Matthew chapter 17, but Mark chapter 9 is where I'm at right here. It's the great transfiguration up on the mountain. Now, I want to talk a little bit about our times we're in. We're in an uncertain time. We're in a, we're in a very peculiar time. I work in a barber shop, and I cannot tell you how many times I've seen older, elderly men that has lived many years on this earth come in there and say they had never seen or ever heard of anything quite like this. And so many different, we can go on different, so many different rabbit, rabbit trails of why it's unique. But it's a unique time, and it's an uncertain time. We live in an uncertain time. And even before the, the COVID-19 thing popped out, things were getting pretty, they were getting pretty sporty in the spiritual realm. Uh, we live in a time where evil has ripped its mask off, and it's showing itself blatant now. We live in a country where things are being rammed down our throats and we're expected to be sidelined and watched and watch. Our children are being bombarded. You can't even watch TV. You can't watch commercials anymore. I was telling my wife now, we got to start fast-forwarding commercials just because they're filthy. There's demonic activity behind all of it. And so many times, us as a church, we, we get where we're, we're not getting numb to it, but we're afraid just to point it all out. But I'm saying now's the time to start pointing things out. Um, so in, in, in this transfiguration, we're going to talk about Jesus' prayer life. Let's talk about it just for a second. Jesus' prayer life was one to model your own after. Several times, it I mean, I went through looking all the different times he prayed. He prayed in the mornings. He prayed in the evenings. He often separated himself away from his disciples or his companions or his friends he was a man of fellowship. From what I've learned about Jesus, he liked the camaraderie of people. But he would separate himself, and he would go somewhere, often in the wilderness. Some cases on a mountain. Some cases he would have others dwell alongside of him as he prayed. But not only did Jesus pray smaller uh, prayers in the Bible, we see him pray before healings and after healings and before feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. We see them he would intercede deeply, and he would fast. Uh, so during this time, it's no different. 
he's got his disciples and he, he grabs three of them. Matthew, I mean, uh, Peter, James, and John. He grabs Peter, James, and John, and they head up the mountain. And it says in the Bible clearly, they go, they go up there to pray. And I'm not going to read all that yet. I'm going to read here in a minute, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase through this. They go up there to pray. And what happens next is probably one of the most supernatural things that happens in the New Testament. For a moment in time, the three witnesses that are there, uh, Peter, James, and John, see Jesus in his supernatural glory there for a moment he is in his supernatural glory this transfiguration happens just abruptly and I, I imagine there had been some praying going on and there had been some interceding going on when this happened and you know even one commentator I read said it was much more a miracle for Jesus to withhold his glory than it was to show it so he's withholding his glory all this time but it's being shown and they're witnessing this and then uh, the two uh, 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 appear Moses and Elijah they see them appear and this goes on and this plays out and the supernatural things happening up there mysterious to these three witnesses and and even Peter's so dumbfounded by it he makes some ignorant comments about setting up shrines for Moses and Elijah and he's quickly rebuked by God himself from heaven uh, so all this happens and then they're coming back down the mountain and that's where I want to go to um I want to talk about being prepared and equipped. Now, this church, ever since I've been old enough to listen and to hear and understand things, I've heard preachers, speakers, evangelists, prophets, whatever you want to call them, prophetess, come in this church, stand behind this pulpit, here and at Ninth and Cedar from the time I was my son Jed's age to now, and they prophesied over this church. And they did it in, in a way that you knew it was authentic. And it was always leading back to this church has got a key, is a key implement and a tool in, the, in, in a great revival and into winning the city. Winning this city has always been a major thing. And I've heard people say, well, Popper Bluff's got a cloud over it. Popper Bluff has a spirit that dwells over it, that rules over Popper Bluff, that rules over this whole southeast region. And we've heard that a lot too, but I've heard it my whole life. This place, this specific church, is going to be a key to winning this city. There's vision, vision seen. There's been someone seen the vision, and I'm not sure who exactly who it was, seeing the vision of multitudes of people out front in this big valley heading for this church. Uh, the rainbows that get, uh, uh, our pastors talked about, them signs, God's given visible signs of his promise. And so if for us to believe all that, we have to be prepared for what's coming. We have to be prepared ourselves. We have to advance to the place God is calling us to be. Because with comes that comes more responsibility. And comes more warfare from other foes we may not have encountered. So, um, so here we are. Jesus is coming down off the mountain. Now I imagine Peter. I can, he, much of his personality is kind of like my own. So I understand his way of thinking in some ways. James and John, they're probably high on the hog coming down off this mountain. They had just seen something supernatural. Jesus also told them to keep it private and do not discuss it with anyone until the day the Son of Man has raised from the dead. So they're kind of like, whoa, man, we're getting all the inside scoops. So they're coming down off this mountain. And soon as they are, they're encountered with something. Now, verse 14, chapter, uh, uh, I mean, verse 14, chapter 9, Mark, I'm going to read there. 
And it's a little bit of lengthy little reading here, but I want to read it. For you all to really understand, I want to paint a picture of what's really happening here. And when he came, and he's come down off the mountain, when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him. And they greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And, where, when, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they could not or should cast it out, and, but they could not. So I'm going to stop right there for a second. So he's coming down. They visibly said they were amazed when they seen him. They visibly seen Jesus in a different light. But I want you to notice the scribes were disputing with the disciples about something, which is often the case. A little bit about the scribes. They were the sworn enemy of the disciples and Jesus. They were out to prove anything Jesus did is wrong. It's blasphemous. It's the wrong way of doing things. and It wasn't by, all by the law. And they much like the Pharisees. And they were disputing. They were just hanging around to see failure from the disciples. And I also want to point out, the disciples had been sent out already. The 70 had been sent out prior to this. And they had come back telling their exploits, well, even, this, even the unclean spirits submit to us, Lord. They've had great success of casting out demons before. But for whatever reason, they're faced with this. They cannot. They cannot cast this one out. And when you read this, I've read this passage before and just kind of skimmed through it. But when you start thinking about, well, really, what is happening here? Well, Jesus quickly asked what's going on. He asked, what, he asked the scribes, what were you saying to them? He was curious what they were saying. In my mind, I believe they were there taunting them, saying y'all couldn't do it. And Jesus said, okay, okay. And I think he quickly seen what was happening here. So this father is in a desperate place. And I know what it's like to be in a desperate place as a father. He's in a desperate place. He's in turmoil. He's already had one attempt for his son to be saved. And apparently this, this little boy had been uh, uh, afflicted by this demon from young, young age. And he's desperate. And he's calling upon Jesus. said, I, I went to your disciples already. They couldn't get it done. So in verse 19, Jesus answers and says, Oh, you faithless generation how long should i be with you how long should i bear with you bring him here to me then they brought him to him brought him to him and when they saw him immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed and foamed at the mouth so he asked his father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood and often he has thrown him both into fire and into water, trying to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now remember that word believe. I was tested in believing a short time ago. There's other things that we've dealt with as a, a, a family, a, a, our our main family has dealt with that we're going to have to believe. There's situations in this church where people are put in a position there's no choice but to believe. To find God's will and to believe it. 
this church as a whole, the purpose, it's been set forth for it, for its next step for it to take. It has to believe in its purpose for it to work. So Jesus says this to this man, and this man answers immediately. He says, The father of the child cried out in verse 24 and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became one as dead. So that many said to him, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Okay, so he, Jesus immediately sees everybody's gathering around, commotions being, uh, commotions being stirred in a great way now, and he's not going to waste any more time. He, he is going to display some power here, and he cast this demon out by just commanding it to come out, and he also said, do not come back in him no more. And boom, just like that, it's, it's, it's gone. The unclean spirit's gone. The s- disciples, I would imagine, are standing there perplexed. Because like I said, they've had success at things. They've did miracles by now. The 70 has been set out. Things have been happen, happened. They've been, a power has been invested in them. But they failed at this. I can imagine some of them maybe had a little doubt even what Jesus was going to do. Some of them for a moment probably thought, just like we all have in our own lives, have thought just for a moment, God, are you really going to come through for us here? Are you really going to do something that we've been trying to do for no telling how long? But Jesus proves who he is and what he can do and what they should have been able to do. And what comes next is what really catches me from all this and where I really want to go for this. And when we're talking about that, I want to say this right now. It is not God's will for demonics to rule over us. It is not God's will for demonics to rule over this church, over this state, over this country, over this city. That is while we are living and while we are Christians and while we have breath in our lungs, it doesn't matter if it's the last days or not, while we are here, it is not God's will for, to let us let them run rampant. We see things now that's thrown in our face. That I, I put myself back in my childhood. I'm, I'm a younger man. I'm 35 years old, but things have changed so fast in my lifetime. I look back and I think it is evil is really showing its face. It's there. It's there. And it's going to get, and, and people, it's going to challenge us even more. It hasn't came through these doors as often as maybe as we think yet. Or hasn't, if it has, it's been secretive and coded and incognito, but it's going to rear its face. We're going to be challenged. We got to be prepared. And I'm not just talking about casting out demons in every situation. I'm talking about every avenue that we have to be prepared for this if we want to go to this next place God's calling us. So in the account of Matthew, I want to jump to this. In the account of Matthew, the disciples says, because there's a little bit more detail in that in this part in Matthew, the disciples inquire to the Lord, the private and they say, Jesus, well, why, Master, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus says in Matthew, I'll pull it on this right here. He says very plainly, because of your unbelief, 
For surely I say to you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. And we've all heard that verse a thousand times. And, and however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. That's what he says to him. But I, w- I want you guys to understand something. Jesus is saying two things here. First thing he's saying, there are different levels of faith. There are different levels of faith. He uses the mustard seed in this little quote he says. And the mustard seed in this saying here is used as a, a, a size of measurement. He's saying if you just had the faith of a mustard seed. Evidently, they didn't even have that in this situation, in this particular situation. But if you really believed and had the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell that mountain to move and it would move. And also, he's also trying to tell them there's different levels of faith and there is different levels of demonic power. And we know that from Ephesians 6 and 12 about the principalities and the rulers of high places and spiritual wickednesses in high places, the rulers of darkness. We know there's, the enemy has ranks of power. He has several ranks of power. And I firmly believe, and I, I, I'm sure a lot of you agree with this, that we are in a time where the worst of the worst are being unleashed. They're not staying hidden. They're being used. They all have different jobs. They have different quotas they need to meet. They got different avenues of routes they want to take. And they're more effective than their previous uh, comrades in battle. They, they are effective. And Jesus points out to his disciples, you've met a different foe here. You were not prepared. And how hard would that to be to hear, hear something like that? I know people, there's people in here that prepare for things. We all prepare for things. I'm an avid bow hunter. That's my, my favorite thing to do is to bow hunt in the fall. In the last three or four years, I've not been near as prepared as I typically would be, and it's cost me. It caused me disappointment. And that's just a, that's for a hobby. But how disappointing would it be when you're encountered something like this and the Son of God is with you and, and you wasn't prepared, you was not in a place that you could handle the situation, the task that had been put on hand. Now what he is saying to them and what he's been saying to me is Ben there's a different level of faith I want you to achieve there's a different level of um, a belief I want you to go to do you really believe when we pray do we pray passionately by believing what we really pray are we just praying things that well that's just what we've been praying let's just continue to pray for that but do we really believe what we're praying we got to ask ourselves that and if we're not sure we need to find out why we don't and we got to figure out what is real we got to ask the holy spirit for guiding and discernment and what's going on in our prayer lives uh, i've been guilty of that in my in my prayer life do i really believe what i'm praying we have to believe it for it to be effective um the main thing that has been laid on my heart to tell this church tonight is not only in my own life, but he's wanting to take this church to a new level. And it's been spoke about over and over again. Uh, pastor preached two, three Sundays, or Sunday before we came back into the building. And one of the quotes he said, in this time, it is going to be required to have a fiery devotion with the Lord and to seek him 
beyond what we ever have to be able to withstand the temptations of the devil. Now, people, we're not just talking about us. We're talking about our children and our grandchildren. If the bar is dropped here, what are they going to have to pick up? And I know that we can't put all the pressure on the next generation. We, 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 we can't rely on any, another generation to bail us out. They'll have their own job. So what he's saying to this church tonight, and, I, and, I, and, I, and this is in my heart, that he's calling us to a new level. It may not be as comfortable at first, but we're being stretched. And I can't say, I can't tell you what we are going to face in this future, but this world has then showed us over and over again. Things are changing, and we are going to face some things. And the Lord is saying, be prepared, be equipped, be ready. Don't be like the disciples was that day. All they had to do is pray and fast and be ready for what was coming and to believe what they were praying. Um, If we want a revival to happen, if we want an, an, an extraordinary change in this region do we really believe it I've told myself several times I I believe I believe but I got to really believe it in my heart I got to act out of it I got to do whatever my job is to help provide whatever intercession or or prayer I need to be praying instead of complaining in a barbershop about how politics are being running or how things are going if I'm not praying and interceding for, for the things that are attacking our nation it's attacking our media and the things that's being bombarded down our children's throats. If I'm not praying for them to be hindered or to send a man or a woman the way to stop them, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm on the sidelines. One thing I want to jump back to, Jesus was on the mountain that morning. He was on the mountain. We have to have a place we go to. That's very basic, I know. We have to separate ourselves and have this Fiery devotion, like Pastor said. We have to be there. We have to be close to him. We have to be equipped. Our spiritual strength has to be strengthened. We have to pray for the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon us. I often think about the times of David. Before he would go out to battle, he prayed. And the Spirit of the Lord would fall upon him. He would do extraordinary things on the battlefield. It's the same sense today in the spiritual realm. So when he came down off the mountain, he was confronted. And it's, and it's a very much of a, a, a parallel to what happened in Moses, a symbolic parallel in the Old Testament. When he came down off the mountain after he'd seen the glory of God, he was confronted. We are in that place. We're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, have to, we're gonna have to take ourselves out of our comfort zones. And it may get a little, it may get a little different. I don't know. But I feel my presence. I, I feel my sense, senses that the Holy Spirit's putting in me. That in my own life, I've faced some things that are unique, that have been unseen and unheard. And we're going to face some of that as a church. And Satan's not going to let us take this city. He's not going to let us, he's not going to let us take it to another level without a fight. And I, I want us to pray tonight. What I want to do is pray tonight. Uh, you can stay where you're at. You can come up here and, and gather and pray uh, either way. But I want us to specifically pray 
for our, for our own lives that we would, we would have the Lord show us where he's wanting to put us and where we need to be in the next level. And I want us to pray for people that we know that God needs, we need our ranks filled. We need, Satan has his ranks. We need our ranks filled for spiritual warfare. I want us to pray for people that we know that, that are on the verge because we're in a time where walking the line is not going to be anymore. It's going to be separated. Evil from good is going to be plain as day and night. And we got to pray for them people that's on that line. We need them. We all need to be there. We're, 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 we're in, a, in a fragile place now. And it's time, it's time to strengthen up as a body and to keep that unity and to believe what we are praying and to believe where God is going to take this church. I want you all to pray for that. Lord, give us all the vision of where this church is be. Not just for what we hear from the pastor, but give it in our heart that we may be uh, applied to the, to the labor, to, to the harvest. Um, that's really all I have to say.